Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to News Levity for March 4th, 2020. On today's edition, the fight for the Democratic primaries, the race that has now become a two-horse race for liberty. And in levity, a Mexican fashion designer has created a leather that is created out of cactus. Also, a young woman asks for a R2-D2 R2-D2 bionic arm, and she gets it through a fundraiser. And she also gets a surprise conversation with Luke Skywalker himself. Ladies and gentlemen, let's move on to the news story for the day. And that is, of course, the election. Uh, specifically, we all know that Joe Biden had a big night yesterday, and he has definitely shown himself a viable candidate for what is looking to be one of the mostly hotly contested types of primaries in probably the the history of the United States. Um, from CNN News, this article is entitled, Many Young Voters Sat Out Super Tuesday Contributing to Bernie Sanders' Losses. Young voters cheer Bernie Sanders' anti-establishment message. They turn out in droves at his rallies, and they form the core of his grassroots efforts to win the Democratic presidential nomination. But their fiery passion did not translate into the robust turnout he needed on Super Tuesday to win number number of key states, notably in the South, where a strong showing by Joe Biden had made the nomination contest a two-person race, especially now that former New York mayor Michael Bloomberg has dropped out of the race and endorsed Biden. Exit polls for several states Biden won, including Massachusetts, Texas, and several southern states that helped uh, help capulate the former vice president into front-runner status, found that while more young voters went to the polls this election cycle, they did not show up at the rate they did in 2016. So the reason that Bernie Sanders lost, according to CNN article states, is simply that a lot of young voters just did not show up to the polls, especially in the numbers that we showed up in 2016. I do call myself a young person. I am 30 years old. I'd imagine that I'm probably teetering on not being a young person anymore. But I do uh, my views to kind of go towards the younger demographic. And most of my friends are younger than 25. Um, it's just the kind of way I've lived my life. Um, but that makes sense. Uh, if a, the base is completely fired up on Bernie Sanders' side, but they're not showing up to the polls, which is essentially the biggest problem that this country has, in my opinion. We just don't vote, ladies and gentlemen. We just don't. Uh, most people don't vote, and it's a sad state of affairs, but, you know, it is what it is, and essentially what happens is what happens. Uh, further on in the article, Sanders' agenda, which includes erasing student loan debt and providing health care for all, is popular with young people, but the exit polls indicated these voters were not in the line of defense they were in 2016. Sanders' rallies feature throngs of college students and 20-somethings cheering him on. In Virginia, Sanders held three rallies last week that featured thousands of energized supporters at each stop. On Tuesday, Biden cobbled Sanders in Virginia, winning by 30 percentage points. Sanders sounded undefeated Tuesday as he promised to keep marching toward the nomination. We are going to defeat Trump. Because we are putting together an unprecedented grassroots, multi-generational, multi-racial movement, he told supporters in a rally in Vermont. 
There are those who believe that the Vermont senator still has a chance. From Anthony Pohick from Al Jazeera, the multiracial working class coalition emerging around Sanders, particularly among Latinos, young people, and Trump defectors, could well pro propel the Vermont senator to victory. The task is mind-blowing. These key constituencies, which the Sanders campaign is best positioned to do. The danger is not that he is too radical. The real challenge for Sanders and the Democrats is that their organizers rally too much on technology, identifying previous voters, and not enough working with groups on the ground to get out the vote. It will not be enough. Why is the ground game so important this year? One reason is the makeup of the year's electorate, which is unlike any we have seen in the past years. First, this year, there are more Latino voters than in the past. According to a Pew Research Center, there will be close to 5 million more Latino voters in 2020 than in 2016. From 2014 to 2018, the nonprofit Vito Latino found that 285 percentage growth in Latino registered voters. So nearly four times as many in Arizona, California, Colorado, Florida, Georgia, North Carolina, and New Mexico, Nevada, Philadelphia, Texas, and Wisconsin. If we saw in the Nevada caucus where more than half of Latinos supported Sanders play out elsewhere in the nation, then Bernie should gain thousands of new supporters in states where Trump inked out a win in 2016. At this point, ladies and gentlemen, it is a two-horse race. It is Biden and it is Sanders. Two biting for a seat that is going to hotly be contested. No one knows what will happen, but it might be the next president of the United States. Sanders, very, very, very radical. Biden, very, very, very normal. He's a normal candidate. He's a normal guy. He's basically anything you want in a presidential candidate. And if he won, he would be a much-needed balance to everything that's happened and a much-needed cool head. But this election is going to play out on election night. Um, things are going to get all the way until then, and we shall see who wins. Um, how did Joe Biden himself actually get the win? Uh, a couple articles here that I have from the New York Times. Uh, from the New York Times. With black voters and a suburban surge, Joe Biden took Texas. Mr. Joe Biden notched his most significant Super Tuesday win in state where he had previously looked weak. It felt like momentum because it was momentum, an El Paso congresswoman said. The article continues to say, Mr. Biden's campaign had just four field offices in Texas. Houston, Austin, Dallas, and San Antonio. Through the campaign's overall staff on the ground was relatively small. Its efforts were augmented by a large cartel of local elected officials who endorsed Mr. Biden. And many of them organized their own get-out-the-vote efforts for Mr. Biden, particularly during the early voting section. 
Mr. Biden's campaign received its most significant endorsement on Monday in Dallas when three of his former rivals, Senator Amy Klobuchar of Minnesota and former Mayor Pete Buttigieg of South Bend, Indiana, and the former Representative Beto O'Rourke of Texas, all announced their backing of the former vice president. Late Thursday, Tuesday night, when results were still trickling, trickling in, but looked promising for Mr. Biden, he attributed his success to the state to Mr. O'Rourke. We won Minnesota because of Amy Klobuchar, and we're doing well in Texas because of Beto O'Rourke, Mr. Biden told a buzzing, buzzing crowd at his campaign's election night rally in Los Angeles. Many of the people who um, what we're seeing play out right now in the Democratic Party is essentially what a lot of people have uh, been saying what the Democratic Party is. Essentially, you have the power structure. The power structure of the Democratic Party feels that Biden is the best choice to actually win the election because it is the belief that he simply has the clear head and, and feels like the grown up in the room, which makes perfect sense. He is. He does feel that way. Uh, the power of the Democratic Party doesn't feel that Bernie Sanders can win because he is far too radical. And because he is far too radical, they don't feel that it is appropriate to help him get the nomination because they believe that a true win is in the, and the safest hands in the country are in Biden's hands. Now, a lot of people are probably going to say the power structure um, is demeaning to what the nation wants. But the fact that Amy Klobuchar, Pete Buttigieg, Bloomberg, and even Beto O'Rourke, all people who have just entered the limelight in the Democratic Party, have now endorsed Biden signals to the fact that the power structure of the Democratic Party is in line with trying to get Biden elected, and therefore those who want a part in that power structure have to fall in line. And that is exactly what all of these candidates have not done. They've fallen in line. Bernie Sanders is still the radical, and it's interesting that he has built a high, a giant base and has created himself into what a lot of people still believe is the front runner for the nomination. Um, what Biden signifies is normal everyday people who simply feel that it is time to put a someone grown up in the, someone grown up in the White House. What Bernie Sanders represents is a growing growing population of young people that feel it is time for true radical change and true radical shift. And I believe that that shift will happen one day because this base is only going to get bigger. It is the next largest base. And when those young people get under the Bernie supporters, when they get older, there will be some radical change in this country. I don't believe that universal health care or the alleviation of student loan debts is off the table. I believe it is on the table. These things are going to remain on the table, and they're going to stay there until they are off the table. Um, because these things cost lives. They cost people their lives. And the system does not work for most. It can help a lot. And a lot of people don't really know how to use the system to help themselves. And in there lies the biggest part that hurts and makes this base scream out. They are good people who did the thing that they were supposed to do. But life has seen fit to push them down and give them a rock they can't carry.
and those people will become powerful, powerful voters later on. It's my belief, at least. It may not happen, but I believe it will. And onward to the rest of this election. Uh, we'll see what tomorrow brings. At this point, it is a two-horse race. It is Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders. And whoever goes against Donald Trump. Whoever wins will deserve it. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Let's go to some levity. Some nice things. Some kind-hearted things. Some lighter fare. Good things that happened in the world. First off, an 11-year-old Star Wars fan got an R2-D2 bionic arm, and Mark Hamill called her a hero. It was Isabella Te Isabella Tedlock's dream to be able to bend her fingers and pick things up. She was born with a, with a disability that make that make that challenging. So when the 11-year-old Star Wars fan asked for an R2-D2 bionic arm, she thought it was going to be the best gift ever. Then came the call from a familiar face. Mark Hamill, known to most as the man who played Luke Skywalker, Skyped Isabella when he found out that her new arm had been delivered. She showed her... She showed him her new R2-D2 arm, and after the two had a 30-minute conversation, he sent her passes to Disney World. We could not have been more encouraging. He could not have been more encouraging and kind, Isabella's mom told CNN. Isabella was born with what her family describes as a nub on the end of her left arm, nor fingers on her right hand. After multiple surgeries, she now has three fingers and a thumb on her right hand. So when Isabella saw a video of a little boy who had a bionic arm at her home in Tallahassee, Florida, in July, her family started a fund for raising money to get it. Thanks to her supporters, she raised almost $14,000 with Hamill's help along the way, he retreated her donation link to his 3.6 million followers in November after her nanny tweeted at him saying how big a fan she was. That's dope. That's dope, man. You know, the internet does a lot of stuff, man. Getting a little girl an arm is pretty cool, man. Pretty, pretty, pretty cool. Okay, uh, from the Goods News Network... Men design leather material out of cactus, and it could replace the need for animals in fashion industry. From the Good News Network, two men have succeeded in developing an alternative to animal leather made out of Mexican cactus, and it could save millions of animals worldwide. Adrian Lopez and Marta Chances, Chances, Chan, sorry, and Marta Sanchez are responsible for creating their vegan fabric out of the Nupal cactus. Although it took them two years of research and development to design the fabric, they perfected its manufacturing process in July and debuted it to the world, to the fashion world in Milan, Italy, back in October 2019. The entrepreneurs realized the environmental impact of animal leather, after they both spent years working in the furniture, automotive, and fashion industries. Upon quitting their jobs, they founded the Design 
company to design their innovative leather replacement. It's amazing, man. People from Mexico can do stuff. If y'all didn't know, they are as smart as people from all over the world. I will have you say. Uh, this is badass. I think it probably takes forever to grow a cactus, though. Like, that's the biggest thing about this. Of course, they do say they can do it six to eight months. They can have a good harvest, which is all right. That's decent. That's decent. It's probably going to be expensive, though. Quite expensive. All right, ladies and gentlemen, the last news, the next nice, nice news story of the day from the Good News Network THC could be first of its kind treatment for women with endometriosis, says new study. Hundreds of thousands of women are diagnosed with endometriosis every year without hope of effective treatment. Thankfully, a promising new study says that cannabinoids could alleviate the symptoms of the common disease. Endometriosis. Endometriosis is a condition in which the, the tissues that normally grows inside of the uterus grows on the outside, with which causes chronic shooting pain in their uterus. About 1 in 10 women in the U.S. suffer from the condition. 1 in 10 women. That's nuts. You know someone. So you you know someone who has this. It's crazy. Like, that's crazy. Although symptoms can start at any age, they generally start in women in their 30s and 40s. Symptoms can range from mildly frustrating to chronically unbearable. What causes endometriosis is a difficult thing to know. So far, there are only theories. Erratic stem cell growth, environmental toxins, autoimmune irregularity, or retrograde periods. The condition often gets misdiagnosed as fibroiditis, cysts, sexually transmitted diseases, or even cancer, making it even harder for patients to receive the correct care. However, experiments made by Spanish medical research at the University of Puma Forba of Barcelona could be turning things around for those suffering from the debilitating condition. In January 2020, a research team led by Rafael Mundenando published a study investigating an unlikely endometriosis treatment option, THC, which while these experiments were done using mice, their findings were so significant that the clinical endometriosis treatment option, THC, which while these experiments were done using mice, their findings were so significant that the clinical test... Some of the mice were given implants with a portion of 2 milligrams of THC for 28 days. The THC-treated mice were shown to be less anxious and than their untreated counterparts, and their memory test results were no different than the control group of pain-free mice. With these findings alone, while those findings alone are already strong evidence that the THC could prove an effective treatment option for those suffering with chronic pain, there was a much more notable surprise waiting for the research. By the end of the experiment, the THC-treated mice had abdominal growth that were noticeably smaller than their non-treated fellow mice. Wow. It is as if the THC causes the agitation 
to lessen that causes endometriosis. But I am no scientist. But I'm glad that scientists are around and are doing this these kinds of research. Thank you very much for your service. And thank you very much for watching. This has been News and Levity. You guys have a good day. We'll see you tomorrow.